are recording tape. This is a very, very, very special day. This is season two, episode one of the Sightpen Podcast. Why is All it? Right. Why is it episode one of season two instead <laughs> of episode twenty-two or twenty-one or twenty-three? Well, because twenty-one's already taken, twenty-two. There may have been maybe a little bit too much said on that one that will never see the light <laughs> of day. And I thought, you know, instead of people asking, where did that episode go? And also people asking, well, why didn't you just call this one 22? Um, maybe it will see the light of day one day. Maybe we'll do like a subscription service. And if you subscribe, you get that or something. Or like an Behind NPR drive. Yeah, like a, or like a money drive where like, if you donate now, you know, you'll get the lost episode. Um, but anyway, and a coffee, bug. No one wants to and a coffee to bug. Yeah. Uh, hey, just yeah, because true. we reset the episode number and up the season, we're still going to on-site at the Bahamas for our 100th episode, right? Yeah. Right, Tori? Yeah, but we'd have to do 101 yeah. seasons. So. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> I knew was another reason for this. <laughs> yeah, I, I did the math and realized it wouldn't take that long to get to 100. Um, so joining me today is uh, Neil Roberts. I'm just happy to be here. And Paul Shannon. Howdy. And I'm your host, Tori Rice. This is the Sight Pen Podcast. Um, today, we don't have Nick. He is actually on site teaching some folks how to JavaScript some things, right? Um, so he couldn't be here today. And he was sick the last three or four months, I think. So unfortunately, wasn't there to be with us. Um, before we go too much further, though, I just wanted to put out there that you can tweet at us um, I'm at iTory. That's the letter I T O R R E Y. Why? Because I don't know why that's my name. That's just a t- horrible name. Um, but an easier one, you can um, also tweet at developer Paul. That's at developer Paul for Paul. And of course, at Potted Meat, one of my favorite Twitter handles of all time, because it's just very. It, it, you actually won't get spam from it, which is weird. Um, not sure what a spam fascination is, but one day we'll tell that story. Um, and then I'll just go ahead and, uh, oh yeah, and at SitePen, of course, SitePen.com, <laughs> at SitePen is our Twitter handle. Um, nothing that we say on here necessarily represents the values or things that uh, SitePen believes in. Maybe, we're not sure. Whatever so, one of those, uh, whatever one of those things, those, those uh, disclaimers are, we just insert that here, okay? So I tell people to, to tweet me if I ever get anything wrong. Yes. And I don't think anybody's ever tweeted me, hence I've always been right about everything. So like Rush Limbaugh, you've been proven to be 99.9% right all the time. That's and like his, that's his thing he says, I think, used to. Um, oh yeah, and we have a sponsor today. Um, our sponsor today is Gold Plating Specialists. Uh, they are they specialize in gold plating everyday objects. Whether you want to gold plate your phone or your toilet seat, Gold Plating Specialist is your number one choice for gold plating. Orders are filling up rapidly, so if you want to get your gold plating in before the 20th, you better hurry. That's Gold Plating Specialist. Um, so, that's all that, that stuff out of the way. Um, let's see. Oh, so... I want to talk about real quick as we before we really get into it. Um, 
Did you guys hear of a conference that was in Las Vegas not called CES? It was called Amazon Web Services, and it was in November. In yeah, you guys went to it. It was it's the Oz. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was the Oz. It's a prequel. It's, not, it's a prequel to Jaws. Yeah, is that a, is that a, I'm not very hip anymore because I'm like almost 34. So, is that what they say these days? Like like I wonder if AWS is like short for awesome. Mm. Is that like a thing kids say like, "Oh man, that was so awesome." Yeah. Probably uh, isn't. Yeah. No. If you invented it, then, you know, it could be the new thing for 30-somethings to say. Okay. Hey, everyone who's a 30-something, try to say the Oz. I I used randos last night too. I said, I don't know, it's just some rando. If you're Um, 30, use those phrases, and then the 20s won't know what the hell you're saying. Yes. Or just use, you know, intelligible (laughs) words. They'll be our secret. (laughs) Just use real words, and they'll also be confused. Um, So anyway, we went to AWS reInvent, which was a cool conference, um, and we had a booth there. And when we were trying to come up with what we would do in a booth, because it's actually quite difficult to, um, you guys may not know this, but Showing off that you are a JavaScript front end consulting company is actually like really hard. Like, what do you show? Like, just have some JavaScript on the screen? Like, it's, it's kind of a hard thing. And you kind of want people to, I don't know, come by and say hi. Um, so we got a great idea. Um, and then I was given three months to complete it in. I mean, it was to create a card game. So... Uh, the idea actually went something like this. Our CTO and our CEO came to me and we were brainstorming ideas and they said, hey, what if we did like a Pokemon game? Like Pokemon Go was really big at this time when we had to come up with an idea and they wanted to actually dress me in a Pokemon type costume and just like walk oh, around. Yes. And it turns out AWS reInvent does not allow you to leave your booth in any kind of costumes. So you have to stay in your booth. And then I was like, I'm not going to stand in a costume all day. And they wouldn't let us do a dunk tank. Can you believe that? So. <laughs> so you were a booth babe then, right? Tori? I was basically a booth babe. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they the next thing was Kit said, how about we create a card game? And then I think they both just hung up the phone. And then three months later, we, we showed up there and I had created a card game. And um, Neil, I know that you're a lover of games. And for Christmas, you got... Uh, a deck of the cards. Hey, did you get to play it yet? No, I have not. I can't believe you just said that. You should have at least lied. Really? You didn't play the card game? Wow. I've I have not I only got it on last Monday. I got like a week ago. Oh. That's weird. I was I, I, I was played uh it, you've played it, Paul? Thank you. I was away from home. Played it, Tori. Oh, you were away from home. Okay. I yeah. guess that's a good cover. Uh, anyway. Uh the game is fun. Uh, for all ages and it's about the crazy things that happen when you're developing web applications and there are monsters like scope creep is one of them um and there's just some really funny stuff but you could check out more about the game at milestonemayhem.com um it was a fun thing to do and people really really loved it and i'm not a huge player of games but i have to say it's my favorite card game to play in vegas because I did not gamble once while I was there because I can't stand it. It's so gross. I think I got lung cancer, actually, from just walking from my room through the casino. Um, pretty sure I'm going to die soon. So anyway, check that out. It's fun stuff. Yeah. 
I, I love the card game. I love the characters. It it personifies struggles that we go through. And uh, I wore the the Grim the Grim, uh, Grim Repo. No, General Death March. Uh, the, yeah, there's Grim Repo. I wrote I wore the General Death March shirt to uh, our our meetup yesterday too. Nice. Loved it. Yes. Yeah, we 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 actually. It's a terrifying thing because we showed up there with 500 decks of cards, a custom booth that we had printed uh like 300 t-shirts so there was the grim repo uh general death march and the inventor i wanted to call him the reinventor because it's about like developers who just reinvent everything instead of just using an off-the-shelf solution they're like no we'll make ours better and then they spend way more time than it would have taken and come up with a worse solution um but reinvent being the conference name kind of clashed with making him the reinventor as a negative <laughs> yeah that could be bad so he's the inventor but it's kind of a terrifying <laughs> thing because you show up there and you walk in thinking first off you have to build your booth like you literally have to go in there and it's just this big like warehouse thing like when you go into a show after it's all set up it's amazing that just hours before it was a complete chaotic mess with forklifts trying to run you over like seriously i almost got run by a forklift crazy um, built the booth literally by hand, like had to put the pipes together, all this stuff, and then z- like put the fabric on this display because um, they want like $12,000 to do it for you. And I did it in like wow. three hours. So like, eh, I'm not paying that money. Um, but yeah, it, so you build this display and then you start like seeing all these other ones going up. And I mean, these companies are spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars on these things where there's people with like drills and screws like screwing wood together on these like two floor like booths and i had this little tiny thing like this little 10 by 10 i started to feel like i don't know if anyone's gonna come (laughs) and i've got all these cards and i think i got all the cards unpacked and there's three more boxes and i was like oh my gosh no oh no it's a terrifying moment but um people were lined up when we when we started playing it and it just kept like well you could come into the booth and play the game and i played for the first night was three hours and they had to kick people out because they were closing for the night. And there were people who were like, I've been waiting for an hour to play this game. So I will <laughs> stand here and I will wait and play the game. And I played and played and played. And then the next day for eight hours, the next day for eight hours. And it was never, it was nonstop. And people were coming up going, this is like the best booth here. And I, I was totally blown away. Cause you know, you put your heart and soul into something. And then when you show up there, there's that moment of, Oh no, is anyone going to like this? And so it's really rewarding to see people relating to the characters and going, Oh, that's totally Tom. He's that's, Oh man, this is, I got to give this to my man. People are coming back. Like, can I have another deck? Cause Don't I want to give it to Tom my manager. Come on. <laughs> hey, Tom at BizCorp dev. It's you, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Tom's like really embarrassed right now. Yeah. It's Jerry's <laughs> fault. Jerry's fault. Jerry's yeah. fault. Um, Gary's fault. (laughs) Close enough, right? (laughs) Gary. Um, yeah. So anyway, really good to see it. And we ran out of cards. Uh, we gave away the last deck like 20 minutes before the show was over. And we ran out of shirts the day before the show was over. It was crazy. Like, and you had to come in and actually play the game to get a deck and to get a shirt. And we ran out. I mean, we saw hundreds and hundreds of people. It was awesome. So anyway, it was really fun. So check it out. Milestone Mayhem. Um, we're going to be doing more with that soon, like actually having cards that you can buy and putting it up on like tabletop simulator. Um, but you can go get a feel for what, what the cards are all about. 
Okay, segueing on from that reality to a virtual reality. That's a I don't have sound segue, effects. Pointing out that it's a segue. It's yeah. It's a good segue. Right? I just learned <laughs> that. I was watching a, um, a YouTube video about how to be a great pod. Actually, it was things not to do in pod. Oh, I see. Yeah, I made a mistake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, thank you for the segue, Tori. It was it was an excellent segue. Um, but uh, I wanted to, to kind of update people on like the excitement over VR. Um, a bunch of stuff happened in December and over the holidays while we were on break. And um, several of them are kind of neat. So Facebook came out with React VR, which is a super secret stealth project, I guess. Because for whatever reason, they just released essentially to npm and they don't have a get they have a github repo for it so you can register issues but their repo is empty at the at, at this moment so it's a little weird from like an open source community standpoint and they're just saying it's like oh hey it's just a pre-release and it's a preview and things like that so i don't know maybe it'll maybe it'll grow into something um i'm i'm kind of excited about the idea of using um react type things and having a projector uh actually project into some 3d space in some way and um you know having some fluxy type way of, of dealing with uh with your 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 model flow and, and and data flow and things like that um because i think having an object representation of your your view state will be kind of neat in a way that maybe it'll make it easier to do things like web sockets and synchronize clients together so you can have multiplayer easier in a more sane way um i don't know but um yeah check it out uh we'll have it in the show notes um if you go to developer.oculus.com blog it should have like more information about react vr and things like that does it have anything for, do you know if it has like stuff for locomotion or is it mostly just right now about just viewing? Like, do you actually, uh, does it have in the library anything for like moving around? I don't know if they have a solution. Oh, the camera? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, what do you mean, yeah. Well, so yeah, VR locomotion is interesting. And I know that Oculus just had touch released uh, over the holidays as well. So I don't know how much of that is in there other than the gamepad stuff. And they, uh, they being the Oculus uh, React VR team, want you to use the, I think it's the Caramel browser, um, which is their own web VR browser that they're trying to optimize just for VR um, to, to do web VR stuff with React. So um, not only do you have to install um, for, and this is for the phone mostly, but not only do you have to install their, their own browser, you have to install React VR, and it's very closed at the moment. So I'm hoping that they open it, open it up and, and can do more things. But yeah. I think it's mostly just object rendering at this point. I haven't gotten too deep into it other than to look at it and say, yeah, that's nice and right there, but it's React. So all you have to do is change some object data and you should be able to, to move your position and things like that. It shouldn't be too bad. Um, so since you asked about that, A-Frame actually, uh, came out with a dot four release. They had been on dot three, um, for a little while and, um, their dot four release releases, um, the A-Frame registry, 
which is a, a registry of, of components. And so for those that don't know A-Frame, A-Frame has um, an entity component model. So all of your objects are like, um, you know, DOM elements or HTML, you know, written in the page. And then A-Frame uses that, the your custom markup to transform that into um, 3D space. And so you have your base object, which is an entity, and then components, which um, extend the functionality of that entity, that base thing. And um, the registry provides components now for, for these entities. And so um, they updated it for the registry and then the inspector, which is your kind of your 3D tool to work with A-Frame in your browser in the 3D space. So you can take a scene and then manipulate it in the in the inspector and then output it back into HTML and then do stuff there. Um, and then a little bit before or in conjunction with the, the .4 release, they also released improved um, Vive support and controller support. So you can do the things that you're like you're talking about, Tori. You can do things like casting um, either a straight ray or, or a parabolic ray to to do movement, like the Vive typically does with the the glowy circle and the the, the dotted lines and things like that, and your controllers and everything. Nice, that's really cool. So. A-Frame A -frame is getting really mature. They have thousands of bug reports and thousands of issues. Like React VR, not as much. There's not as much like momentum on that yet. That we know of. That we know of, yes. It's, it's not super open yet either. So um, I think a lot of people are just going with the, 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 the solution that's actually reaching out to people, and, and that tends to be A-Frame right now. Unlike touch, which just reaches out and touches people. That's Wait. not how that works at all, Tori. That's like AT&T <laughs> or something, right? Reach out and touch someone. Something tells me that wouldn't work these days. Like that, was, that marketing campaign would not work very well these days. It really got a lot of priests on board back in the day. Oh, um, wow. Remember that disclaimer I put earlier, people? <laughs> it's not my fault. It's bad jokes. Um, so what else so, happened in VR, in the web VR? So uh, another cool thing for web VR is um, uh, Google Chrome. They have just added web VR and the GamePad API, which are essential for doing good VR in, in, on browsers. They released it to their origin trials. And so for Chrome 56 and above, you can register for this origin ID. And so you have to fill out a short form and then Google emails you um, uh, credentials to put on your site in a, like a meta tag. That's that's this origin ID. And, and what an origin ID is, is, is it's a flag to the browser that tells the browser to enable certain functions and features automatically. Whereas usually you'd have to go into the, the, the flag setting, you know, Chrome colon slash slash flags and enable web VR and enable the GamePad API separately. If you go through the origin trial, you get an origin ID and you, you put it onto your, your site, um, it will be set up automatically for people to go to your site using, in this case, for the GamePad API and WebVR, Chrome 56 and above, it, it'll automatically be enabled. So you can get a chance to put out content that uh, other people can use without having to jump through any kind of hoops. Their um, blog says just um, Chrome for Android. Is that... When you say Chrome 56, you mean Chrome 56 for Android? 
Or is it for all? I think it's just for Android. Uh, I don't. I don't remember the release. We'll we'll post it in the notes. You're probably looking at the. I am the, looking at it right now. Yeah. I wonder why they yeah, did from, that. For Android. I wonder why. Could it have anything to do with um, daydreaming? Do <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there? That's a real segue. That's that's a segue, and you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> Dang it! I'm no, always wrong. Actually, Actually, the day the daydream when you so I, I actually got a daydream over the the holiday break. Um, I got a Pixel phone and I, I got a pre order for the daydream and they finally um, made good on those and sent those out to people. And uh, uh, it's pretty cool. I like the daydream. It's 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 comfortable and it's it's fun to use. And um, what does happen though is um, as soon as you put your phone in into the daydream headset. Um, there's like an NFC tag or something on there that automatically like opens up the, the daydream software. And right now Chrome isn't attached to uh, daydream. So like you immediately go into an app launcher when you, when you put your phone in and then you put the headset on and the app launcher just has your daydream enabled apps. Like it doesn't have your entire phone or anything like that. And so I, I installed the Chrome uh, for Android beta, which is what, Chrome 56 is right now, and um, they haven't enabled it, so it also goes and shows up in in Android. So I don't I don't know how to do that yet, um, but you can you can kind of work around it a little bit, which is no fun. Um, but eventually, eventually it'll get there. Uh, I think I think cardboard is more where it's at right now for for testing out like sites and things like that um, in the in the origin trial. But I am excited for Daydream um, because what's it like compared to uh, what's it like compared to the Vive since you have both? So it's on your phone. Um, So it's a little. The field of view is a little bit less, um, although the, the screen and the experience is still really super clear. And in fact, I don't think I noticed any of the. Um. The uh, oh, what what's it called? The like Chris a screen door, Bob, the screen door effect. effect. Yeah, I didn't really notice any of the screen door effect on my phone, but I did notice when I didn't have a clean screen on my phone, which was yes, <laughs> yeah. I noticed that on my Vive, and it drives me insane because I always my hair ends up touching the lenses <laughs> a lot, and then yeah. I put it on, I'm like, ugh. So then I have to take <laughs> it off, wipe off the lenses, and try to get it back on without touching anything. Yeah, but first world um, problems. You know, it's a really, it's a really well thought out experience. Google took a lot of what came out of, um, came out of cardboard and they really one upped it. So the, the big thing is that you can take it on and off really quickly. Like you, you put your phone in the device, it automatically launches the daydream app and you're ready to go almost right away. And so that part of it's really cool because unlike the vibe, you have to like go to your PC and turn it on, maybe do some updates, maybe steam has to update too you know, get everything actually running on, on your computer and then put on the headset and, you know, it's, it's a different experience. So it's much, much faster to get in and out of VR there. And it's a lot more portable. And what they've done is they've also included a remote. And so this remote has a little touchpad on it that you can like use to control stuff, but it also casts out it uses accelerometers to determine like how you're pointing the remote and it casts out into your app or the game or whatever you're playing much like the vibe controller does. 
Nice. So it knows positionally where it's going. And it's just one controller. It's not too like the Vive and there's no triggers or anything. So it feels like a little remote control. But you can actually really interact with things in, in a compelling way that's, again, quick to get in and out of. So it's two different things. If you're considering a Vive versus the Daydream, just get <clears throat> one and then try it and then get the other. <laughs> so get both of them is what i'm hearing um this segment is brought to you by uh, google and htc um or thc or yeah whatever um, <laughs> yes um, so yeah one of the things that so there's a, a couple of uh cool things that happened um kind of recently um with the vive uh, is that they have announced uh, a couple of new kind of uh, add-ons. Um, one being a better uh, head strap, like a premium head strap that has uh, headphones built in. So if you know much about like the Rift, um, the Oculus Rift has built-in headphones and kind of this nice strap that's easily adjustable. And the Vive is definitely a little lacking in that, as I kind of alluded to. The the straps are kind of this uh, elastic with Velcro on them. Um, and don't, it's kind of hard because once you get it on your head, there's kind of a certain way you want to wear it, but it kind of usually requires tightening the straps a little bit once you get it on, which means that when you take it off, you probably didn't loosen the straps because you just pull it off. And then, of course, getting back on, you have to loosen them and this whole thing. Um, so, the new system that they have looks, looks much improved. Um, it's, it's got a little more rigidity to it. And um, I think and a dial on the back um, that you kind of kind of like almost like a bike helmet uh, kind of dial. You know, they have they kind of turn the dial and it tightens up um, and it's got that built in headphones, which is nice. Like currently I'm using Bluetooth headphones because I don't like the cord dangling down um, my back. But uh, it, it's, it's looks just another cool. cord, Tori. It is. Oh, man. But <laughs> Um, coming soon as well um, by was it TP Cast? Mm -hmm. I forget. The yeah, wireless. the wireless yeah, uh, thing um, where you plug it into your computer and then you plug this wireless transmitter into the Vive and it, you go wireless. Um, we might have talked about this before, but you know that's definitely really interesting. Apparently, it only adds two milliseconds or less of delay. Um, so some of the other solutions that have come out added maybe eight or nine milliseconds of delay. Now that's delay on top of the existing, you know, few milliseconds of delay. So, you know, it, it adds up. Um, but apparently this one works really well. Um, even DisplayLink um, announced uh, chips that they are going to license to, um, you know, developer or um, hardware manufacturers to do exactly this, to uh, power um, VR wirelessly. Um, which is really, really cool um, because, yeah, right now you have this big, thick wire. Um, or if you get the new three-in-one wire, it's a big one wire that's not as thick. Um, but it's still, it's this wire. And, you know, it only goes so far and it's prone to be stepped on and pulled out of the link box, which will immediately crash your game and drive you insane. Plus, it also breaks immersion. Um, one of the games I'm really enjoying right now is a VR sports challenge because I'm a huge sports fan. Um, and... A lot of times, you're when you're moving around, like in sports, you suddenly feel this cable under your foot or behind you, and it doesn't feel real. Um, even though you, like in the football game, like you see the football helmet on you, you know, you see the players coming at you, rushing you, and then suddenly you're like tripping over a cable. Um, so it's kind of annoying. So anyway, I'm looking 
looking forward to that. Uh, are, um, are you and David Walsh still battling for top spots in that game? Or are man. You- uh, oh, in the hoops of VR. Um, Oh, it's the hoops <sighs> VR. Battling is a, he got his computer back. Then he went on vacation. Then he came back and then he destroyed my score. And I can't even get close. Like the night I did it, I don't even know how I got even like, I can't even get half the score now. Like it takes hours of repetition to just get it. And I can't even get close anymore. So I think he's pretty much won. I've given up on trying, Uh, but he did actually beat the football game before I did, which is hilarious because in real life I am a, I play football like every week and you know, pretty good. And he, does not play football. He plays soccer, which is called football. And um, <laughs> yeah, he beat the game before I did. And I kept getting stuck in places. having to ask him how the heck to do it. And then, you know, I finally was able to do it through his help. Um, so, you know, that sucks for me. But <laughs> um, anyway, a couple of cool things also that you can do with the Vive. Um, some people had done some fun things where you take like a welding mask um, or you know, like they sell these these like like before this whole uh, new strap came out, um, you can get on Amazon like a replacement for like a welding mask. Uh, the inside of those have like this whole webbing like that you sit on your head, you know, like to secure it on. And someone had like three D printed an adapter that can hook onto the Vive, and then it creates this whole like it's it's like much more flexible, but also it distributes the weight more to the back of your head. Right now, the Vive is very front heavy because the, just the way that the webbing is structured, it, it kind of sits on your forehead more, the weight. So this kind of distributes it better. Um, but one of the things that I came up with when I almost dropped my remote and actually with my kids playing with it. Um, so like the Vive remotes are like the Wii where they have like this little strap on them so that you don't fling your remote across. But the little part that you kind of push up to tighten it doesn't stay put it just kind of sits there and then when you move your hand around it loosens and that's really frustrating because it starts to loosen and then when you have kids with really small wrists it's really easy for them to drop their remote because you know it's kind of bigger for their hand anyway they drop their remote but then it slides right off their hand um, and hits the ground so um, I realized that the Wii remote actually has a little clasp on it now um, so you can tighten it and clasp it yeah. shut and it doesn't move anymore. And we've always had that on the Wii. Uh, not always. That is actually no, a relatively the, the newer. Oh, the very yeah, first I, ones. I've had one for a long time. A, I thought I always had it. They sent me a, a replacement strap and a skin for the original <laughs> Wii boats. Yeah. yeah. Uh, way back in the day because they, they found out that people were still launching controls. at <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I had like the original Wii that didn't have that. And then when we got a Wii U, uh, they had that clasp, and yeah, it happened sometime during the original Wii. But I found like on Amazon, I could get a generic strap with these silicone, you know, things for the Wii. I just chucked the silicone things because I don't need them. Um, but for five dollars, I got two of these straps and replaced them on, and it's it's much more comfortable. Um, so anyway, it's fun things you can do. Um, and if you're interested in in the Vive or the Oculus Rift, there's something you should probably know, and that is that Oculus, as was alluded to with the A-Frame thing. I'm sorry, with the uh, React VR thing, um, is very uh, locked down. So with the Vibe, you generally buy your stuff through the Steam store, and that those will work on, a lot of them will work on Oculus and on the Vive. Um, the Vive is currently made by HTC, but very soon the exclusivity is running out, and other manufacturers will be making headsets for the Vive platform. Um, like 
the VR, well, it won't be called Vive then. I guess it would just be Steam VR because that's what it, it's, it's powered by Steam VR is what it says on the box. And, um, but anyway, it's not HTC won't be exclusive anymore. So soon that'll be happening. There'll be competition. Um, but Oculus, they don't allow you, to, like they have games that they put millions of dollars into <clears throat> developers to make these exclusive games, um, which is fine. You know, like I don't, I don't like it as a Vive owner. But there is a software called Revive, um, which you can find that lets you play um, Oculus Store games on your Vive. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, that's how I'm playing VR Sports Challenge because that's actually an exclusive Oculus game with Oculus Touch. But able to play with Revive. So that's my little um, update on the Vive. I have not played with A-Frame or any of that stuff yet. I was going to last week or over the Christmas break. And instead, I refinished cabinets in my house and... Yeah. <laughs> so did did we mention um did we mention about the tracking that they also came out with for the Vive? So they Oh, have, the like, tracker. Set... Yes, yes, the tracker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we did. We didn't. Do you want yeah, to go ahead, Tori? I... Oh, sure. Um so one of the other things besides the head strap that I got then distracted by myself, I talked about the wealthy mask thing. Um they came out with a thing called the tracker. Um, and if you've ever seen a Vive remote, it's got all these little dimples on it and it's kind of circular at the front. And those dimples are actually the sensors, um, that get picked up by the tracking, the lighthouse trackers that shoot out infrared. And then these sensors, you know, where it hits each one of them, they're kind of angled and they're, they're dimpled all over this thing. Well, I think there's like 24 of them maybe, but it can track with like 10 of them. So it just kind of knows like what angle you're tilting and all this. It kind of uses that um, data that way. Um, as far as I understand, I may be a little wrong on that, but that's the gist. Well, the tracker basically is the remote, but without the remote part. It's basically just the sensors, but it also has this little threaded um, part on the bottom so you can attach it to objects. So one of the things they demonstrated at CES is the worst idea I've ever seen. Um, and that is <laughs> that they scanned in a baseball bat. Um, so you basically, you know, if you have a VR model of something that's the same size as the thing that you're attaching the tracker to, um, you could then attach the tracker. And now you're holding a real baseball bat. And in VR, you have a baseball bat. And it, it's tracking <sighs> it perfectly how you're holding. So you're holding a baseball bat. And you see it in VR just like you would be seeing it if you took your VR goggles off. Um, I don't know why they thought that that was a great idea because that is obviously the worst possible idea is to have someone swinging a baseball bat around. I mean, it gets the point across about what it's doing. <laughs> but oh my God, there are people lined up like actually filming it. And I'm like, you people should move because that is going to come flying out. I mean, it almost hit the TV behind him a few times too. But... The point is bigger than a baseball bat um, because it can be anything. You know, yeah. you could put a a beer bottle. You could have a scan of a beer bottle. You could attach it to your beer bottle, um, which and know where your beer is. It all and know where your beer is because let me tell you, I don't drink beer, but I might drink wine sometimes a lot, all the time, every <laughs> time I'm playing vibe. It is kind of hard to find your wine glass, um, although you know <laughs> I'm not saying that's a good add-on app for it. It is. Just have a little add-on that, that's like, here's your beer. Yeah. So, I mean, you could put it on anything. And I think that's kind of the, the cool thing is that if you could scan it in and have a 3D model of it, you can attach the tracker to it 
And just like that, you have this object, this physical object in VR, um, which I think that, you know, it's going to be a tricky thing because one, you're going to have to, I mean, game developers aren't going to be able to rely on that being there. So the only way that I can see it really working in practice is like you sell a bundled game that has hardware with the tracker attached to it, or you you sell it with the tracker add-on, or you if you already have a tracker, you can, you know what I mean? You get it for 30 bucks cheaper or something, whatever. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with it. Um, I think it's going to be one of those bridge technologies, honestly, because I'm still kind of surprised that there isn't like a connect type sensor for all this because that thing works really well. Like I have the old connect and it works awesome. Yeah. And the newer connect works even better, even though they don't really do anything with it anymore. It's like, it's perfect for exactly this. I'm so confused why they don't have that. But anyway, whatever. That's the tracker. Yeah. I think they talked about leg tracking as experiments. Uh, oh yes. Go and, and things like that. And, and some of that would be neat. Um, before this all came out, NASA was actually using the Vive. Um, what do they know? Their, <laughs> in their low gravity simulations and so they they would create a physical environment and then they would model it up and then what they would do is they take the, the tracked controller and then they would scan the tops of all of their actual physical objects and made sure that they met up in in vr with those actual objects so astronauts or whomever could train with a physical thing in a virtual reality station. So you only had to make like the most minimal of things. Um, and then you just filled in the, the details in VR, um, in, in the VR headset. And so oh, wow. you have like poles and things and it's like, oh, these, this is the ladder that goes up and it's just on like a wooden box. But in VR, it, it's like the whole space station or, or whatever they're training on. And you so don't have to be a, that's how they fake the moon landing. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to use these, do you? <laughs> You, uh, you might. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, NASA, maybe somebody from NASA is listening. They can contact us, which would be amazing. Um, but yeah, the tracked controls. <laughs> the I janitor would contact that. us. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll take it. Whatever. Yeah, we will. <laughs> so yeah, like maybe maybe a Goodwill Hunting level janitor or something. Um, <laughs> yes. So, or maybe Johnny yeah, Karate. Johnny Karate. Um, I can see an application there. You know, you have like environments where you want to add uh, objects to interact with. And so you need to track them. Yeah, I think that it's going to be really interesting with the wireless technology um, that what, what I kind of see happening is that the you're going to start seeing more things where there's like warehouses that you go to and it's like, you know, they already exist, right? Where you go there and you you know, like there's just like this warehouse, but you play like a laser tag kind of game. But once you put on the VR headset, it's like zombie world. It's like crazy, but there's like physical walls, but in the game, they look different, you know? So you can have like this kind of just, you know, blank canvas that once you flip it on, it's this amazing, you know, other world, this alien world. I could totally see like a halo type game happening. And like, you know, all of a sudden, like e-gamers and like paintball gamers, they're both professional, like they have professional leagues in both, you know, it kind of starts to merge that idea of, you know, are you an e-gamer or, you know, your physical, you know, competitor. Uh, that'd be really yeah. interesting. All right, Neo, you have said nothing because we've just VR geeked out here for like 40 minutes. <laughs> or months. Whatever. <laughs> Y'all know Neil's on the show. 
He does. He just show, he's just actually he's our studio audience. I'm I'm moral support. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Well, are we all the way to me talking about null? Me being wrong. Null thing. <laughs> null thing. I thought you said no. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I said like, no. Why did you bring it up? Yeah. <laughs> I like how the I like how the section in our, our notes says just Neil. Like Neil's everything else Neil. is a title. This one's Neil. Neil. Yeah. So a long time ago. In a galaxy far, uh, far away. In a galaxy far, far away. Oh. <laughs> well, we, uh, so it's been... I'm gonna keep, I was going to give you more to make fun of. Okay. Uh, so uh, a long, long time ago. Is that better? Yeah. Um, just we keep talking. talking. About... I'm trying to be quiet now because I just talked over you within four seconds of you speaking. So I'm like, <laughs> just just be quiet. Sorry. So then I held up my F-bomb paperweight that I have. Mm. Uh, we talked a lot about um, some of my gripes with TypeScript. Uh, and one of them was uh, I was trying to cast and assign an object at the same time um, because the object could have nulls in it. Uh, and one of the things I had tried to do is in the object, I had tried to uh, actually say, uh, like the value foo is uh, of type bar, but it has a, a property null. So like ca basically casting a null to a type. Um, and it didn't, it hadn't worked. Um, and I actually got some feedback. I was going to pull it up here. I pulled it up during our last episode. Uh, and make sure that probably not going to pronounce his name correctly, but that's okay. Uh, Dasa Paddock. Uh, Sounds good to me. me. Note. Yeah. Sent me a note and was basically like, uh, yeah, you can do that. Uh, so I tried in Visual Studio Code and it did not work. Uh, it still said it was cast to any type, but uh, I went actually went on the playground and tried it there. Uh, and was able to successfully uh, do it there, uh, where when I inspected the type, it actually says what it was supposed to be. Uh, so you can cast a null, uh, which makes it so that you can basically create an object with empty values uh, that still have type information. So that's kind of so nice. Uh, just to be clear, you are wrong. I was wrong, yeah. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, I've ended up actually moving over to Visual Studio Code, or not Visual Studio Code. I've moved over to um, WebStorm. Yeah. Um, just because it. Um, Maybe and now that so I, sad. Well, now that my Mac Pro has 48 gigabytes of memory, you can finally uh, run it. I can finally run it. It only takes like it only takes like two gigabytes with most of the projects that I have running. That's that's about true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, did you get the the latest release? Actually, cuts that down a little bit more. Oh, okay. So you can. You only need one point nine now. I don't yeah. know if I have the latest. Uh, the latest it will support TypeScript two one, so you can do hmm. things like partials and and nice. uh, references back to other types to declare types for your types. I think I said that right. Nice. But yeah. So uh, yeah, I've actually been enjoying WebStorm. So that's kind of fun. Do you have to buy it? Uh, I'm still in the trial mode because I've only been doing it for uh, a few weeks now. Neil, but yeah, I mean that's my, that's the I goal. I should send my templates for it because I've got some nice ones. 
I was um, almost going to complain about this, that they have a like subscription, but then like I realized I use the Adobe suite and it's a subscription and that's what I use for my tools every day. And this is what you guys use for your tools every day. <laughs> so I'm like going to go ahead and just shut up because I just realized how stupid that argument was. <laughs> yeah. You're, when you're a professional and you have tools that work for you, I mean, do you have anything? Is there anything to replace Photoshop in any real way, Tori? I literally never use Photoshop. So, yes. That's not, really. <laughs> not using it, huh? Um, no, I, I'm just not. I, I use it, but not very much. I use Sketch, um, which is something to replace Illustrator. But I actually still use Illustrator quite a bit. So, yeah. And also After Effects and just all that stuff. But still, I get all those programs for one fee every month. Come on. And it's cheaper than yours. Regardless. Yeah, I, I was looking at the... It's still expensive. I was looking at at Photoshop just to play around with, and they still want like, I don't know, hundreds of dollars a year. If you don't need to open Photoshop files or share it with anybody else, there are absolutely things that you can get that are comparable. Um, if all you're doing is like just basic photo manipulation, um, there's Mac exclusive apps that are for that. Um, there's obviously GIMP. Um, but whatever. GIMP, yeah, GIMP is not great. It's I've used really Photoshop not. before, and it's it's something, and that's great. I'm happy it's there. But I've used Inkscape, and that's decent replacement for eh. Illustrator. I'll disagree. It's with not you a there. replacement, but it's it's for free. For de it's decent. Yeah, it's a thing that it's a thing that does things. <laughs> so Affinity Photo um, is kind of like a Photoshop um, one, and it's like fifty bucks on the Mac App Store. Um, and it's, you know, it's very good. Um, and then as I mentioned, sketch is kind of different. Also, um, Pixelmator, uh, that's the one that I've used Pixelmator a couple times. Um, Pixelmator is, uh, $29.99 on the app store. And I think it's also really good for, you know, it's got layers and brushes and all the things you'd, you know, want to do. Um, if you're just going to like manipulate a photo, you just want to like resize it or, you know, change the coloring on it or like brush out something. There's Acorn, um, it's 25 bucks um, again. So yeah, like there, I mean, should, there really is. We should talk about this more in the next the, the yeah, yeah, section yeah. later about yeah, yeah. UV mapping. And this is why I started to look at Photoshop because of that. Okay, cool. Um, sorry, so Neil, did you have anything else you wanted to say? Or are, we, are, we, are we done now? Can we move on? Oh, I think I'm good, yeah. You've just been talking and talking and talking and talking sorry. and talking. Sorry, Neil. <laughs> Sorry, Neil. All right, so let's play Truthy Falsy. Um, and I got a theme this week. Um, I wasn't going to do Truthy Falsy just because it's hard to think of questions. But this one's so easy because CES just happened. Mm. And so this is themed on CES. This is weird CES um, things. So the way Truthy Falsy works, in case you don't know is I'm going to read some things. Um, and to this week, I have four products. One of them is falsy. The rest are true products that were shown at CES. And it is their job to tell me which one they think is truthy and, or which one they think is falsy. Um, really just the falsy part. Okay, you guys ready? Now that and we're they, really confused, let's go. They have no foreknowledge of these questions, and they are not allowed to Google them as I say them. Okay, guys. <clears throat> Number one. 
Um, actually, I'll put it into our document just so you can see them, so you can refer back in case you need it, because we have a little document we use to keep track of this stuff. Okay, number one, vacuum shoes. No Roomba needed. These shoes use the energy of your step to activate, activate a tiny vacuum on the bottom of the shoe to suck up dirt. Number two, bloom life. Um, not sure if it's a contraction or your baby is about to die. We've all been there. Now there's Bloom Life, an FDA-approved device you strap onto your belly to keep track of what's going on in utero. Laundroid. Just toss in your clean clothes and it does the rest. Folding and sorting are a thing of the past. Stop smoking through peer pressure, a smart device you attach to your collar. It then posts to your social networks when you light up. Part of what it posts is an updated estimate on your date of death. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So now three of these are accurate, real products, and one of them is fake. Go ahead, Neil. You talked first, so you go first. I'm going to scroll down and read these again. All right. So we got vacuum shoes, which, I mean, that seems like, why'd you want to do that much work? So I'm kind of doubting that, but who knows? Uh, Bloom Life, that sounds right. Um, having, my wife had a baby. Having been pregnant yourself. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm not going to say we had a baby. That's just, uh, I'm not a fan of that vernacular. Um, but you say we, we have a baby, right? We have a baby. (laughs) No, no, they had one. (laughs) He left it at the store. Uh, laundry. It was in in his laptop case. And what did you say about Landroid? That sounds impossible. Laundroid. Or Laundroid, sorry. But yeah, I'm not a, not a believer in that one. Um, I don't know. Man. Um, sh- 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 folding and sorting, I think, in the past. I guess it's possible. Uh, I'm going to say vacuum. I'm going to say false C on vacuum shoes. Okay. So got Neil for vacuum shoes. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, it's got to be vacuum shoes. That's the only one that takes an extra step. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's the only one that takes an extra step to really use. Other than the smoking with peer pressure thing, I mean, I guess you have to attach that to your collar. But um, the Bloom Life, I think I've seen, I think I saw something like that or or whatever. It's, I don't know if it's, I don't know the specifics of it, but I'm pretty sure I saw that. Um, the Laundroid, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds something lazy people would buy. Um, I imagine it's very yeah. expensive, is, is my thought. Well, I it would actually better be better if you could throw clothes on the floor and it would do <laughs> all the laundry for you. Um, Isn't that why you have okay. kids? <laughs> Just make them pick yeah, it Yeah, well, I, yeah, that, that never works the way you hope. For it really it, doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> I seriously told them to go clean up the shoe area and they're looking at me and they're like, it's clean. I walk over. I'm like, I don't think you guys understand what that word means. Go ahead. Yeah. So what's your choice? It's got to be vacuum shoes because uh, no, I kind of agree. You have to put on the shoe and maybe it was vacuum slippers, but vacuum shoes. I don't know. And, and stop smoking through peer pressure. I love that. I, I love it too much to say it's that, you know, updates your estimated date of death. That's amazing. Okay, so we will, uh, so you both agree that it's vacuum shoes. So let's start with Laundroid. 
Um, this is actually truthy. Um, that is indeed a machine that uses a robot arm. You throw in some clothes. It can do like 30 to 40 items and it will fold them and sort them. How long do you think it takes to fold one piece? Who cares? It's a robot. It's a good point. Uh, a minute. It takes five minutes. Okay. Nice. And it doesn't do socks. Which is like, oh. to me, that's the bane of my existence. It sucks. Like, who cares? Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting, though, um, that, it can, that it can analyze and fold clothes uh, for you. All right. So then we have number two. We have Bloom Life. Uh, not sure if it's a contraction. Your baby's about to die. Um, and this one is truthy. Um, yep. Nothing crazy there. You strap it on, and I guess it listens and... It can detect like heartbeat and heart rate of the mother and possibly the baby. I'm not even sure. I didn't really read too much into it because I was just like, yeah, it makes sense. Whatever. It can. All right. So now the other two are vacuum shoes and the stop smoking. So the stop smoking one is the falsy. I made that oh, up. Oh, damn it, Tori. You're too good. I thought that that would be an amazing product. A stop smoking thing that just posts like you would you would say like hey guys I'm stopping smoking now like it would it would auto like post to your feeds and say like guess what everyone today I've stopped smoking and then like you know to kind of keep yourself honest and to keep yourself trying using other methods as well like whatever nicotine gum or patches or you know shock therapy um, you know to keep you honest it would. You know, well, obviously you could take it off, but, uh, you know, I figured no, you know, I was a little suspicious with the collar, but, but that, that, that estimated time of death is just, it was too good. I right? that too much. Right. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And it, it um, should do that. It should detect nicotine on your skin or something. Yeah. And I was thinking too, like it could also tie in with like your bank, like with mint or something and no, like when you bought cigarettes, you know, like with, uh, you know, the grocery stores have like put in your phone number and like track that stuff. Like it could like tie into all that and just know like you just bought cigarettes and like post it. Um, anyway, I thought it'd be funny uh, to if that was a thing. But vacuum shoes is a real thing. I think that's the part we're overlooking here. It's a real thing. It's <laughs> the the hell gotta be it? the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, let me see if I can pull that up. Is it actual oh, shoes or yes. is it like an attachment to your shoes? No, it's real shoes. And boy, are they stylish. That's sarcasm for everyone who couldn't tell. Are you, um, come on. No, it's is real. there like an onion of CES? Is that it? CES is it an reminds onion. Me of, it reminds me of Baby Mop. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> no. It's like um, it's like a little jumper you put on your baby, and then it, it has like the, the mopping flaps. So as your baby crawls along the floor, it mops your floor for you. Also, I think it's an onion thing. I, I hope to God that's not real. But I remember it being a fake thing. And that should be Vacuum Shoes also. Fake. So Vacuum Shoes is a concept product that emerged from an internal company contest that is held every other year. Um, <laughs> this is a employee concept, but it actually does like work. Um, you'll, you'll never know. You'll never guess what, what country like this company came from and people who came up with it do. Denmark. It's Japan. It's Japan. Japan. Because, nice. of course, it is Japan. They have the craziest stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. So that's the thing. I got you guys. Because I just, when I saw that, I was like, no one is going to believe that's a thing because it's a dumb idea. But CES is full of dumb ideas. 
Trust me. Yeah. Um, like, like Laundroid, that has got to be one of the dumbest ideas because while it's a cool idea that it's a real product that they're going to start selling and it has so many limitations and it's super expensive and huge, come on. Yeah, I like, figured the super expensive on. bit. Wait, Laundroid. I, I almost want this thing. I almost just want to sh- put it in my laundry room. If, if it's going to fold everything for me and I can just take it and then put it in the drawer... That's that's nice. I mean, if they add a few more features, like they'll press and iron things. That's why does it done. like? That's why don't you just like combine it with the like washer and dryer and like have it just put it in and then it out comes later. Like it all does it for you. Like why do you have to manually switch stuff? That's what I'm just still not. Un- I just don't get it. Like we have the technology literally that <laughs> could do this, right? Like why couldn't you have like I don't know. There's just so many ways that you could make this happen where you put the clothes in the washer. And it washes them, then it dries them, and then it folds them. Like, that would be awesome. But anyway. Yeah. No, I, I'm on board with you. Just put it all into a single robot instead of multiple robots. Like, why do you even need a washer and a dryer? Like They have, they have physical, combined units. I know they do, but why don't, why aren't they all combined? Like, it's I don't like, get it. Okay. Okay, so here's the lesson I learned about combining things. You remember the 90s? Yeah. Remember when they sold TV VCR combos? Yeah. They were you great. remember a year later when the VCR died or stopped doing well on tapes and just started eating everything? And then you ended up with a really chunky TV that had a broken VCR? Yeah, but if my washer breaks, I just got a whole new washer dryer. Like, whatever. Like, that's what most people do anyway. Are you going to find, like, like, you have your one from like 20 years ago, your washer dryer. One of them breaks. Guess what? You're buying both of them. You're probably right. I am a hundred percent right. It, it's not going to have, it's not going to have as many innards to fix too. I'm just saying we I, pretend I that we faked putting a man on the moon. We should be able to do this. <laughs> okay. Buzz Aldrin would punch you in the face for that. I know. Wouldn't that be awesome? I, I, I would tweet that. That would be amazing. Okay. So oh. Neil disappeared because his laptop got unplugged and died. So, <laughs> which is hilarious because he has a Mac pro sitting there plugged in all the time but whatever all right let's take a little bit more time and talk about uv maps what now you brought this up to me um in our planning thing and i was like yeah i kind of know what that is so then i started reading about it um do you want (laughs) to introduce it a little bit and i can tell what i know somehow give us some information so it, it came up because um, I'm getting into like web VR stuff and it's really easy to use the simple web VR stuff. But as you want to do more and more things, you really have to start looking at making components and in a frame. And that means looking at and using three um, JS. And so I started looking at doing things like that for doing decaling. And, and then I started to look at how textures are actually made on meshes. You know, you have a 3d object, and you, I think everybody's seen like a mesh, which is just kind of that line drawing thing that, wire that shows. Yeah. yeah, a wireframe, yeah. And then um, I started to like look into Blender and how these things were done. And it turns out when you want to put a texture around something that you created with, with a wireframe, you like cut out this wireframe and then like Blender flattens this thing out for you. And, and so I'm like, all right, 
I, I'm obviously in over my head and I have a designer here that I can just ask whatever the hell I want. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, Tori, what do you know about UV maps? And could you kind of like explain what they are? And are there other ways to do texturing or, or like, you know, what are some tips you can give like us that are delving into web VR or, or yeah. anything like that? So I will just state, um, that, uh, I'm actually just going to tell him the over quick. We don't need him. <laughs> I just told him he's fired. We don't need him anymore. Um, <laughs> so anyway, um, okay. I only recently started kind of researching it. Right. Um, but I, when I was younger, I had a friend who was really into um, 3D, and he still is. But, um, you know, that was one of the things that I helped him a lot because I don't know why I was helping him with 3D. So I have a little bit of an understanding. And then I've also been reading into this. So if I get things wrong, um, I will do my best to correct them um, as I research this more. But basically, um, what UV mapping is, is not, firstly, UV does not stand for ultraviolet. Um, it is not to do with lighting necessarily. Um, UV is simply coordinates um, because in 3D space you have X, Y, Z. Um, so those are already taken and they use U and V to talk about this 2D space for um, textures. So as you alluded to, um, there are there are, um, you know, these 3D objects need to have textures applied to them. Now, there are different ways to do this, right? There are some, like, a lot of the software now, I mean, you can just, you know, grab a grab a cube or grab a sphere and click on, like, add material and it would do, like, silver, you know, or something like that. Like, you know, it, or give me a stone texture, right? Like, that's not too difficult. There are these, like, more, you know, automated those ways. Those are predefined repeating textures. Yes, that's right. Um, and you can get lucky sometimes. Those are called shaders, and, right? Right. When when you like when you programmatically define how something looks, that's a shader. I don't know, but I also don't think so. Okay. Um, I'm gonna just steer clear of that row for a second because I'm not sure <laughs> the answer. Um, I, that's I think what I was I, reading that shaders are programmatic textures essentially. Well, I mean there are. Shader, yeah, there, there are things like that, but also, I mean, there are, there are ways to like combine a shape and then, you know, just say like apply this texture to it and it will automatically do it. But then you could open it up and edit it, you know, um, like it would kind of do both. But um, okay, so back to the to the thing. Well, why do you need to? What is this opening it up thing? So if you have a cube. Um, you know, you can imagine a cube, um, and it's just like kind of in school when they had those fun little things of if you unwrap this, what would it look like? And they give you all these options about like what the what it would look like if it was paper and you unwrapped it. But that's actually kind of what you do. Oh, Neil made it back, and we're just talking about VR and three D stuff. So you're just gonna sit there anyway. Um, so when you unwrap one of these, when you unwrap a cube, if you kind of looked at it like it was a box and you took the lid off and flipped it down and then cut the sides down and, you know, but kept it all connected at the bottom of the box and just kind of flipped out all the sides, you, know, you can kind of visualize what that might look like. Um, and that's kind of what you end up doing when you unwrap an object in, in 3D. And this makes it so that, let's say you have a box and you want to write something that goes all the way around the box. Well, that is a texture that you need to apply to it. So you need to have artwork that has that written on it. But if you had a bunch of individual 
um, images for each vertice of the box, you're gonna it's it's gonna be really difficult to get everything to line up properly. Um, so instead, you create um, you know basically with the shape that you have, you kind of write out you know you you texture your box like imagine even instead of writing like it's like gift wrapped right so you need like like a bow around it on both sides like a classic like Christmas present. Well, the bottom of the box, the sides, the top. All those have to line up perfectly or else it's going to be off and it's going to look weird, right? So, you know, instead of trying to get all of that correct, you just kind of unfold this object and then you edit it. Um, you go into edit the, um, the UV map and then there's where you can put in your texture. Um, and in this case, it might just, you know, you're just basically painting, you know, these, these things. Um, and then you can also kind of rewrap it. You, you kind of have a split view where you can see what's happening. So as you're editing on one side, you can see on the other side how it looks. You can kind of adjust. And each vertice, you can actually um, adjust independently. So if you have an image um, that you bring in from like Photoshop and it's a little off, um, or you can even have you know, some things that I believe you do to like save space um, is to like combine a whole bunch into one image, but then you kind of yeah. clip the part that you need. So let's say there's like all these boxes, like you had like a bunch of varying size Christmas presents or something or whatever, you know, um, yeah, Christmas on the mind. I'm not sure why, um, <laughs> but it's over. Know, <laughs> yeah, it's over. Um, coming pretty soon. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> um, so anyway, you can go in and kind of adjust each each one independently, you know, if they're not lining up properly. Um, that's kind of the gist of what the UV map is, is it's, you know, this this idea of you're applying this 2D texture to a 3D shape. Um, and now a box, you know, a cube is like a super easy thing, right? But, you know, there's other things like say you're designing a chair, Right, like I have a chair in the other room that has a pattern on it. Now, if you just took this fabric with this, you know, this pattern on it, and you just like cut out a big piece and just stuck it on the chair and then folded it into the arms and stuff, it would look totally would look weird. Right. Yeah, everything yeah. would look totally wrong, right? So, if you're going to model a chair and you need to model the texture, you can't just throw in an image of this pattern and say, "Oh, there it is," because uh, it's going to look awful. Like it's not going to look proper. Um, so what you do is is you you will take that model and you'll unwrap it the same way you would a cube. Only obviously it's much more complex now. But then you start adjusting that pattern, right? So you kind of slap the pattern in, but then for each one of those vertices, you start moving that pattern around, and you can see on your output, okay, this is lighting up how I want it to. You're stretching it here and there, so that it actually looks realistic. Um, you know that's that's kind of the 10,000 foot view. This is actually, it is a very like unfun and complicated process. Um, but that's, that's the gist. I think if you're not a 3d animator, like that's the gist. If you are, and I've gotten all of this wrong. Hey, at I oh, yeah. yeah. Like I, that's my understanding of how it works. I've never done it myself, but that's, I think the gist of how it all works. It sounds right. I mean, I've been watching videos and tutorials about blender and, and how to do UV mapping and, and th yeah, the, they never went over what UV means and that it's it's a flat 2D set of coordinates to map on your XYZ 3D coordinate set makes total sense. And I, I've seen them kind of like adjust, make adjustments even on rectangular objects. Like the video I saw was like a dumpster and I wish I knew the, the author of the video right now, but it was it was like one of the Blender tutorials where they took a dumpster and they showed how you do UV mapping. And even though it's square, you want it like 
you know, make sure that all of the textures line up just right. And you, you would like bump things a little bit to make sure they do that. Um, but it was, it was a really interesting process. And I've, I've always wondered, like you, you would in games open up assets sometimes and see like this really distorted face looking thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, how the hell does an artist even do anything with that? Like, how do they know where to put a nose on that thing? And it turns out that, that you cut out these vertices and, and with UV mapping, it just unfolds everything. And then you just paint on the individual like um, uh, triangles or polygons or, or whatever the, the, the individual mesh pieces are called. Um, the polygons, I think. Um, you just paint on those and then it, it rewraps it around this thing and then you preview it from there and, and you can go back and forth. Yeah. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of, you know, there's a whole industry around these, the tooling around this too, to let you, you know, kind of round trip quickly from something like Photoshop to, you know, you can make changes in it and then see it up, like, say you're like, oh, that's totally messed up. But then you can, you know, see it side by side with the 3d thing. Like it just pulls it in. Like every time you change the file, it's pulling it in and rewrapping it for you. So you can see, so then you kind of get that, um, that kind of feedback that you need. And then I believe there's also ways, and this might be, this is kind of out of my depth here, but I think that there's also ways to kind of paint onto the 3d object and then have it unwrap it to the 2d, like going backwards from it um, instead of going from 2d. So you can kind of like get the gist in there and then you can kind of tweak it and really like get it just right. Um, and then, you know, once you do all of this, um, that's when, uh, you go into kind of the lighting because um, you know like once you um, like once you apply this texture you know you haven't you haven't said anything about what type of material it is and how that reacts to light um, and that's like a huge thing um, like back in the day um, with you know non VR games and really even some of the rudimentary 3d games um, the lighting was not dynamic, like it was static. So you would have these textures that, um, you know, you would just light in a 2D way because like, say it's like Doom or something, you know, like the original thing or whatever, like Doom 2 or whatever. And there's like lights overhead. Well, you know, you just light the top of the head all the time, you know, or like light it a little bit. And then when you move out from a light, you like change the texture to no longer, like it's not dynamic, right? It's not really reacting. It's just faking it by knowing where it is to change what texture to use, right? Like you just move the bump map to not be, you know, lit up anymore. Right. So then you just change it back when it is. Um, and that doesn't work anymore when you're in VR, right? Like you can't, like you, it needs to be dynamic. So you need to take it and say, well, what, what texture is this? Like what, what physical thing is this? Um, and it sounds easier than it is, but that's, like these are the details that take, you know, like the programming logic of a game is not what makes it a great game. It's the details around. When whoa, you, whoa, whoa. <laughs> are you sure about that, Tori? I am sure about that. Pretty you sure guys. Code is I think it's the, I think it's the art. I think it's the artwork. <laughs> I, I think it's super important. That... <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely when you see it's the details that you don't see. And that's the thing, right? When you don't notice them, then it's done its job because it feels real. You know, um, when you have, if something is stone, it's going to absorb the light in a different way than, 
you know, a metal sphere is going to, you know, reflect the light. Um, so it, it's just interesting. There's all these, there's all this crazy stuff around lighting and it's something that I want to get more into. Like I want to learn more about it. It's just that I have no practical use for it. It's just something that's interesting to me. Um, but I learned a little bit about this when doing the, the Miles of Mayhem monsters. Um, actually, I was doing some 3D some 2d 3d video animation um that's why i started to learn a little bit about this lighting like subsurface scattering is one of the bigger mm -hmm. like that's so that's why when you look at stuff from even like 10 15 years ago and it's all 3d and there's like dynamic lighting but suddenly it's like whoa that looks way better now well it's not computational power because even movies that had 3d effects like they have all the time in the world to create the stuff and all these rendering it's it's things like subsurface uh scattering because when light hits something, it gets absorbed and it scatters. It doesn't just get absorbed and reflect, you know, it's, it's scattering underneath. So like your ear, when you shine a light, like you see the light inside the lobe of your ear, right? Like you can see it because it's scattering. And that's, that's definitely something that changes. Like once you have that built into these things, suddenly you can make stuff look really, really realistic, except for human faces. They will never, ever, ever look real. But other than that, no. So anyway, that's again, 10,000 foot view. It's fascinating stuff. And I think that the more you learn about like how things are made like this, I don't, it just gives you a whole different like respect for like what these people do. And a lot of times yeah. get paid very little for like, unfortunately gaming, the industry is known for just like really poor pay and abuse of employees and stuff. And it's like churn and burn and, but the stuff they have to do is absolutely amazing. I hear there's good players in, in the game industry. No, they're all terrible. They're absolutely they're all, all terrible. <laughs> I, I heard Blizzard is decent. You know, people, the voice actors like them at least. Uh, well, they would, they're actors. You know, actors. Um, but the yeah, liberal elite. I, I started, yeah, I started looking into this stuff and the more I learned, the more I'm like, this is impossible. Like there's so many things that I have to know. Yeah. Cause you don't know um, what you don't know. Like yeah. you really don't like you, there are so many things that I'm like, yeah, I never knew that. Like one of the big things that I struggled with initially when I was doing this, I did a video that looped for the milestone mayhem booth. Um, and we have like a caveman coder and the caveman coders thing is that he just bashes code until it works. <laughs> and so like, I literally have him bashing a Gantt chart and it took me, you know, a couple weeks to even get that animation right because I didn't even understand how to do the inverse kinematics because when someone swings, uh, you know, a club down and hits something, you know, there's the whole Newton like equal and opposite reaction thing. But I mean, your whole body's involved in swinging something over your head and slamming it down, and then how that reverberates back through you, you know. And I wasn't trying to make it perfect, but I wanted to make it at least look decent, you know. Like I didn't want it to look like crap, and yet like. I could like it was really difficult. And there's a whole lot of like, plugins you can do, but you know, you start as soon as you get into that, it's like you go from oh yeah, you can kind of make it look good to you have to learn all these things to make it look perfect. And I'm like, can I get in between that? Like, can I get just some other way there? Like, I don't need perfection, but it's really difficult. And you know what I did? It's actually exactly the same thing as this, where I have like a character, but then I go in and I rig the character with these bones. But then I have to say, okay, now use this part because I named the layers in Illustrator a certain name. I say, okay, use L leg layer. And it would take just that part and wrap it on the leg and you could see it, you know. And it was kind of the same thing where you replace this 2D character with this other 2D character. And yet it's actually each part's now individually movable and bendable and stuff. It's yeah. really cool stuff.
Yeah, rigging and skeleton. You you'll have to tell me about that next. That's our, that should be our next VR thing. Yeah, VR design. Because I I was starting to look at that and I'm like, oh okay, I kind of get this, but I, it, it takes a while to kind of figure out what's going on when you have a skeleton versus keyframing versus um, uh, like uh, bones and and things like that. Yeah, getting natural motion to look right is so hard and i'll just leave it at that you know the the biggest thing that i realized while doing this is one people have thought about this problem before you so there are tons of resources out there and i'm talking artists who drew the phases of a walk cycle you know like but the other big thing is inconsistency is actually one of the biggest things that you have to build in because when you have a computer-generated walk cycle, they're going to walk perfectly in that same cycle over and over again. But when you walk, you don't walk in the exact same way every single step you take. Like yes, I do. It's well, you do, you do. <laughs> but in general, it's like the little things where you you know you're a little off balance on this step, and you correct, and you're you know what I mean there's these little things that you do that change the motion from perfect and weird looking. Like perfection looks weird. I think that's one of the biggest things I learned when research this stuff is just how perfection looks totally bizarre to us because it's so unnatural. It's how you spot robots that are among us and going to kill and reptiles, us. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's how you know when they're too perfect. It's Stepford wives, right? It's like, it's like an acting, right? Where it's all of a sudden like this person, you know, they've transformed because they're like too perfect and right. they're actually they blink at the same interval. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they move in exactly the same way. And you know what? I realized was those actors, like I, I looked way too into this, as you can tell, and we can talk more about it next time. But those actors really did have to painstakingly learn how to act perfectly because that's not what you want to do. <laughs> you don't want that to be the normal case, but yet in this case you do. And so they had to train themselves to do that. Um, it's totally crazy. Um, yeah. Huh. So anyway. next time, just a mocap room, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sweet. Site Pen's going to get that for us. Motion capture, and that's that's perfect. Yeah, I really just want me jumping and catching a football like in mo- to be motion captured because I'm sure that I think it looks a lot better than it does in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that capture, and they'll be like, Madden would be like, uh, that like physically wouldn't work. I'm like, no, it's real. I can do it. I did it before. No, you didn't. Okay, so that's our show today. It landed a little long. Thanks, Neil. Yeah. I'm sure it's yeah. his fault. I don't know. It's not, but it is now. Um, yeah, next time here. next time we can talk about the actual texture baking of after you do the UV maps, because I kind of left that part out, but height maps, how you make stuff actually oh God, rigid. More. Oh, yeah. <sighs> there's so much more. Oh, man. Anyway, tweet at us, at SitePen, at iTory. That's I-T-O-R-R-E-Y. That's the letter I. At Potted Meat, at Developer Paul. I'll let you guys parse out who is what (laughs) on that one. Thanks, guys, and peace out. All right, later. (laughs) I was going with peace out. That's like a new lingo I picked up from all the youngins. Is that not current? It's totally cool. Cool. Yes. I'm cool. Bye-bye. Because I like to feel the wind blow. We got a good thing. Gonna see where the day goes Take it fast, take it real slow We got a good